Hey, welcome to the Allison Park Leadership Podcast, where we discuss the principles behind the plans. My name is Dave. And my name is Jeff, and we're glad you've joined us for this episode today. And uh, while we don't have any particular, uh, what do you call, five-star reviews to cover today, I do want to mention one more time, Allison Park Leadership Academy starting this fall, <laughs> begins the final week of August. You can go to allisonparkleadershipacademy.com to learn more about um, our first-year program. We would love to have you check it out. Yeah. We we absolutely would yeah so <laughs> sorry you threw me up my game for a second we also I also do want to even though we don't have five star reviews I do want to thank you for listening yeah because we are so genuinely thankful for our our, our listener support you know our listener base I'll say this yeah. what we have from them we've um, heard I've heard from so many different people around the country and even around the world who are listening to us and uh, what an honor it is that you let us into your world yeah um, the numbers of of listeners and viewers has really grown exponentially over the last couple of months. And so if you're a recent listener to our podcast, um, my name is Jeff Leak. I'm the lead pastor at Allison Park Church, and this is my son David, and he is the campus pastor at our Northside campus. We're one church in six locations, and um, this podcast originally was designed to talk to our staff about some of our values and beliefs, but it has grown into something more than that, and uh, we really appreciate your input and suggestion about future topics. So if you have something you'd like to see us discuss, we would love to hear from you. Absolutely. We, we really would. So thank you for, for participating with our conversation. Yeah. Um, today, we want to jump into one based on a book that you have coming out soon. Yeah. So there is a book that Whitaker House has published for me that will be out starting in September uh, called Gateway to the Supernatural. It is actually a second edition. So a, a number of years ago, 2014, I wrote a book called Power for Life. And so we've added some new material to this uh, first edition, and now are, are bringing it out under a new title, Gateway to the Supernatural. So you can find it on Amazon and all kinds of other different places, or just go to Whitaker House Publishers. You can find it there too. Yeah, famous author Jeff Leake. So <laughs> if you want to give a synopsis of what, what the general idea of the book is. Yeah, so in the last episode, we talked about some supernatural things, and we were actually talking about the supernatural aspects of the demonic, the powers of darkness, entertainment choices, yeah. the work of the Holy Spirit in our life to protect us, that kind of a thing. So this particular episode, we want to talk about the supernatural on the positive side. So the title of the book, The Gateway to, Gateway to the Supernatural, is all about how the baptism in the Holy Spirit uh, begins to open the door for God to use you in supernatural ways, that He, he intends for you to live a supernatural life and for there to be miracles and signs and wonders and healings and answers to prayer that God births through you. And so the book is, is really talking about the pathway to that, how God can begin through the baptism in the Holy Spirit to start to use you in brand new ways um, where God can empower your life for some incredible stuff. Yeah. And so what we really want to talk about, I guess the tension point of this starts with the idea that what I just said the idea of the baptism in the Holy Spirit or miracles in the world being done today is not something that every Christian in the world today believes are, is possible. Yeah, and probably for centuries uh, there were a, there was almost a belief that this was only New Testament era stuff that it wouldn't happen again because the the apostles had died and so miracles had died with them, and so so we want to talk about that tension and belief system. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, when I was a youth pastor, this was something that would be a, a very, I guess you could call it like a tightrope that I had to walk. 
Because, man, in my development as a young person, as a teenager, seeing God's supernatural power on display was revolutionary and life-changing for me. Um, I'll never forget. I mean, I'd seen a number of miracles growing up, but I'll never forget when I went on my very... We talked about them a ton last time. Shout out to Mission SOS and Pastor (laughs) Johannes Omritzer, who, you know, has been a huge influence on us. But um, when I went on my very first trip with Johannes and SOS to... Uh, to Nicaragua um, in 2007, I guess, which is crazy how long ago that is now. Uh, I mean, I we saw crazy things. Like I had seen, again, I'd seen a few miracle stories. And, and by that, I mean like, oh, this person probably got healed. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, like, oh, they had a headache and they, did, they didn't anymore. Yeah, after yeah, yeah. Kind of or like, oh, there was one guy who got out of a wheelchair, but it was before I was born. And yeah. you know what I mean? But, oh, that's cool. He has a picture of his crutches. So I, that probably happened. But it was like sort of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Nicaragua. And I mean, it was like miracle after miracle. And people were getting saved by the thousands. And I'll never forget like one time I was on a, we were doing a street outreach. And I think I've told this, if you've, heard me preach or talk about this. I've talked about it so much. So forgive me for sharing the same one, but it was just was so important to me. There was a guy who wanted prayer. He was blind and he had huge white cataracts on his, on his irises. So you couldn't, it looked like a white eyeball on both sides, like totally white because there was a growth, a cataract over them. And so he wanted us to pray for him. And so we, me and several others put our hand on his head and we were praying, you know, in the name of Jesus, we just declare healing when his eyes be open and we would pull, pull our hands off and I remember, like, we, we prayed a short prayer, pulled their hands away, and you could visibly see the cataracts had shrunk, and they weren't gone yet. So we prayed again, saw them shrink again. Like, not like we would pull them off and they would be going, it was more like they were just smaller. And by the time we finished praying, there were no cataracts. Like, totally, you could see his whole pupil, his eyesight was yeah. restored. He was thanking Jesus. And so... You can't unexperience that. You can't. Like, all of a sudden now... The way that you view the world, the way that you view God, the way that you view the Bible, Jesus is now indelibly etched into your spirit as a young person. Right? And, it, and it gave me such a <laughs> hunger and taste for the things of the Holy Spirit and of yeah. God. Like, this is this is real, and there's proof of this, and it's wild. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I'm a youth pastor, and I, I want people to have the same experience. But the reality is that a lot of people, a lot of Christians that were coming to our youth retreat, specifically to Impact, I remember, which is our summer you know, youth camp sort of a thing. There were a lot of people that were from families that had backgrounds of churches that did not believe in any of the gifts of the Spirit, that didn't believe in healings or miracles. Like God, it's not that. God could do anything. So God could heal somebody, but not as a regular, active, supernatural, Holy Spirit-empowered gift by people praying for them. It would be like, God can do anything, yeah. Does that make sense? But not so. Regularly. It was a part of his sovereign act in the world. Just like he might allow someone to get sick and die, he might actually decide to supernaturally work in healing. It was his providence at work. It was his sovereignty at work. But no one could draw a direct line between the moment of prayer and the moment of breakthrough healing. Exactly. And so, like, I remember having conversations with parents and. Teachers. Like how can you be teaching this? Yeah, like what is going on? You know, and, and there, the, I think some people thought of us with this weird reputation. Like, what are they allowing to to, uh, to happen there? Because some people teach like that stuff is demonic. Yeah, like if you see people doing that stuff, it's not really. In fact, even beyond just Christians. Well, when when yeah. I when I was growing, like when I was in high school, I worked at KFC, and I remember one of my fellow employees was like, "You go to that church?" And I was like, "Yeah," and they're like. 
I heard there's really weird. Don't you guys do stuff like tongues there? <laughs> like, so even people that aren't Christians, I think when you hear about a church that's more charismatic or Pentecostal, there's a lot of potential stereotypes or stigmas. Yeah. So it's possible we're talking to some people that are listening or watching right now that are like, you guys are that, you know, aren't those more like just people that are super emotional and they're not really into what the Bible says and they're doing their own things. And it's about the yeah. experience more than well, it's about the Well, and let's face it, there are some, so, you know, we always kind of do this when we're talking about an issue of tension. There is the wide spectrum of things. On one side, you have the very conservative theological people who would believe that miracles only happen in the life of Jesus and his apostles, and that it is now a matter of the providence of God, not his practical answers to people operating in faith. Then on the other side, you have the crazy side of the charismatic movement, which at times has done things that have that have damaged the rep- rep- reputation of Christianity. Yes. Like, for instance, there was a guy that operated in words of knowledge, and he was actually on television. I won't use his name, but where you would see him uh, operating in words of knowledge that were, you know, just absolutely mind-blowing. Like, this is where you live, and this is what your mother's name is. And and he was just down to the detail, which I believe the Holy Spirit can do, okay? Later, it was discovered that his people were interviewing people in line, and he actually had an earpiece in his ear, and someone was backstage reading off the card of the people that he was specifically talking about, and he was manufacturing... That's horrible. ...this kind of spiritual gift. Oh, man, that's sad. And then, and then you know, a lot of drama times, a lot of certain evangelists have been very dramatic and knocking people over and saying they're slain in the Spirit or, you know, things that... <laughs> that have... happened to me a lot. Okay. <laughs> did did yeah. you ever have that experience? Oh, sure, sure, where someone pushes you down and you're standing, no, you're not going to push me yeah, down. Yeah, and... <laughs> and you put your, you put your like, back leg back and you're like, you're going to have to really shove me over to where it's going to be awkward. As if being knocked over is some sign of I was terrified of prowess as a prayer. Yeah, you know? I was terrified of that. They called it falling out, and yeah. I was like, I'm not... Like, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to make me. Right, okay, so there is abuse on this side. There is a charismatic abuse on one side, and then there's a denial of the idea of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then let's just face it, okay, so... 1901 is when the very first person started to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues. In 1906, you had the Azusa Street Revival. So here we are, 2022. So we're talking about just a little over 100 years where now this Pentecostal charismatic move um, has happened. Almost a billion people on the planet today would consider themselves Pentecostal charismatic. In fact, I was just at the Pittsburgh Praise event um, a couple of days ago in Heinz Field, and I sat right behind the coordinator of the Catholic charismatic movement wow. in in, the, in awesome. the country, and we talked a little bit about... So there's Catholics who believe in the operation of the power of God, and, and they would call themselves Catholic charismatics. So... But early on, there was a lot of wild stuff happening in the Pentecostal movement. In fact, some people who, um, you know, took the Mark chapter 16 passage, if you, if you, you know, believe in my name, you're going to speak in tongues, you're going to cast out demons, you're going to heal the sick, you're going to handle snakes, yeah, oh. and they won't bite you. So, so there was a whole denomination that wanted to prove the power of God, and so they would bring snakes 
It's poisonous. Poisonous snakes. Into the auditorium to handle them in faith so that they could demonstrate that God's power. They had snake tanks yeah. in, in the stage. You ever yeah. seen one of those old places? No, I haven't. They but... would have, like, on either side, a, t- a glass, almost aquarium. So the snakes. KFC guy that you worked with probably had heard some legit freaky story about Pentecostal charismatic nuttiness that that isn't helping anybody. Yeah. However, um, I grew up in an, in a home where I expected the power of God to be demonstrated because my dad, who was a normal everyday pastor, like he just was, he was a tremendous pastor of people. He loved people, good preacher of the Bible, very balanced, not crazy, not doing anything manipulative, but healing miracles happened in his ministry. In fact. One of the things that I remember him telling me from the very early stages was how when he was nine years old and had had rheumatic fever, it left his heart damaged. He had a hole in his heart. He was told he could never do anything athletic. He was in constant pain. His joints were in pain. And one day as a nine-year-old, his family was new to faith in Christ. He was moaning to his mother about the pain he was in. And my grandma said, call on Jesus. Maybe he can help you. So he started calling out, and as he was calling out, he fell into a deep sleep, and when he woke up, he ran to the door because someone was knocking, and he realized he had no pain. Wow. And for the rest of his life, was was involved with sports and activities, and when he was 65, they did an examination on his, on his heart just as a checkup, and he asked, can you check to see if there's any evidence of damage that happened when I had rheumatic fever as a child, and they said, your heart's healthy. There is no scar tissue, no evidence of a hole in the heart, nothing whatsoever. He was supernaturally healed, wow. yeah. which was part of what set him on the journey toward becoming a pastor, yeah. was because he had experienced the power of God in his life. And then many, many times in, in church services, people were legit healed. Like So the thought, when I first bumped into the theology that Jesus wasn't doing this anymore, it was like, how can this be? Like, my dad is a living, walking example of the power of Jesus Christ. It has to be legitimate. Um, And so your experience in Nicaragua, part of the reason why I wanted to see you go on one of those trips is because I know how much that can impact your faith when you are involved in seeing something real yeah. And powerful, it's transformative. It and if you've never been a part of that, let me just tell you, it's addictive. Yeah. Like when you see something that God does that's powerful, wow. Yeah. It's 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 a rush. It's 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 one of the times you're like, I just can't believe that happened. I can't believe I participated with that. But it is truly a a, a powerful transformational thing in your life. Yeah. And then I I mean I don't know if we want to get into this now. Probably yeah, go though it's good. But you were just talking about this yesterday or whenever it was about the early church, and we were talking about like how you know there are certain writers and pastors that are talking about how transformative, contagious the love and generosity of the early church was. Yeah. Okay. So there are there are leading pastors and teachers. Again, I won't use names around the country that are talking about the power of the New Testament church and and the idea that we're to love one another and how revolutionary the church was in changing culture and ending slavery and in, in establishing community where people cared for the poor and rescued babies that were left out to be exposed so that they would die and they would bring them into their homes and the, the early church was transformative and and talking about all of the 
the you know activism of love and service uh, to the world, but leave out the parts of the book of Acts and the New Testament where Jesus is doing ministry, where demons are cast out and the dead were raised and eyes were opened and ears were opened and people who couldn't walk started to walk. Like that is pack full in the early parts of the New Testament. You can't read the history of the New Testament without the supernatural, but somehow certain aspects of or sections of the church do not teach the healing miracles of Jesus or the life of the Apostle Paul as if it's a pattern for us to follow. And not only is it a pattern, I mean, not not only is it a pattern in Jesus' life, but with all the apostles and with the early church, it's rampant. It's like, it's constant. I mean, it, it's, okay, I, I know that this is probably not an often talked about thing, but can you imagine, like, they would line up their sick people, and if Peter's shadow yeah. would touch them, his <laughs> shadow, or they gave they they couldn't get people to Paul, so they would pray over a piece of clothing or a handkerchief to take that to and the cut person. it up in sections. And yeah, then, yeah. Oh my goodness! Like so, if you if you were to cut out the supernatural aspects of the New Testament, the four Gospels, and the Book of Acts, you would have very little left. You might have the Sermon on the Mount and some other teachings Jesus did about the kingdom of God, but you would lose whole segments. And in fact, Jesus took his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 and gave them authority and said, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, preach the kingdom of God. This was his assignment to them. And then he sent out 72 to do the same thing. So how can we be active followers of Jesus Christ without actively believing that we would do the exact same things that the early disciples did? And and what, what happened in the church is that a doctrine grew up called cessationism, which basically means that the miracles ceased with the apostles, that, and that when the Bible was written and approved in the Council of Nicaea in AD 325, or whenever it happened to be formally approved, I know we got some feedback from one of our listeners that said it was later in the third century, so it was somewhere around there, sure. that because we have the revealed Word of God in the Scriptures, we have all that we need and therefore we don't need the supernatural proofs anymore of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that is not taught in the Bible anywhere. There's one obscure verse that you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it's talking about, you know, the qualities of love. And then it says, and if there are prophecies, they'll cease. And if there's tongues, that they're, they're going to cease. And then it says, um, when the, the perfect has come, then we'll know fully, even as we've known. And they kind of insert in the idea that the perfect that showed up in the world was the revealed Word of God. And therefore, since we have the perfect revealed Word of God, we don't need any further revelation. But actually, what is accurately talking about there is not when the Bible showed up in this world, but when Jesus comes and we see Him face to face, then we'll know fully because we'll be fully known. And because, you know, we, don't, we won't need prophecy anymore in heaven because we'll understand it all, but we are still seeing an incomplete picture, so we need prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom, and we need gifts of faith because we're, we're there. And, and here's the other thing, my dad always used to point this out. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about the rules of the function of the gift of the Holy Spirit in the church, and chapter 13 talks about, but none of this matters without love. My dad always used to say, how can you have 12 gifts of the Holy Spirit, 14 gifts of the Holy Spirit, and 13 nullify it all? It would be like, Paul, why would you even write this to the Corinthian church if it wasn't intended to be yeah. a guideline for how we are supposed to use 
the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. So it doesn't really make any sense. It's a misapplication of a tiny verse of Scripture that is talking about when Jesus Christ comes into the world, or when the second coming happens. So this teaching that the gifts ceased with the apostles has caused a lot of Christians to put the idea of believing God for his power to be demonstrated in the world on the shelf, as if it's not a part of the perspective. I also think there's also a fear. Like, if we start to preach this and teach this and it doesn't happen, doesn't this damage the reputation of Jesus? Sure. (laughs) And that's, I guess, the definition of a lack of faith, right? So when we start to teach it, does everyone get healed? No. Does that create some disappointment in some? Yes. But if I don't teach, preach, and practice it, then no one will ever get healed, right? Then we'll never see any cataracts fall off of people's eyes. We'll never see anybody get out of a wheelchair and walk. And part of the signs that Jesus gives in answering prayer like this is he wants to demonstrate to a world that that needs to know he's real, that he is real through these signs and wonders that point to his resurrection. Yeah. That's so good. You're, you're on a roll there. <laughs> well, yeah. obviously, this is why I wrote the book, Gateway to the Supernatural, because I have a deep longing to help people experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which opens the door to them beginning to see supernatural things happen in their life. I also have a deep longing for that to happen in such a way that doesn't weird people out. Yeah. Because a lot of people look at it and they're like, how do I do this without becoming this crazy snake handling, uh, over-emotional, pushing people down, you know, kind of crazy charismatic environment? And, And one of the things that I love to teach is that operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and believing God for miracles can be done in a normal, everyday way. It can be done in a way that doesn't have to scare anybody or freak anybody out. You can do it in your personality. You can do it without manipulation. You can do it without being abusive. You can do it in a way that lifts people up and ministers to them. It's really all about your approach and your tone. And so the book is helping people to get to that space where they they now leave room for the Holy Spirit to work in their life, but without having to go to the excesses that oftentimes either scares people or gives the church a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. So your title, Gateway to the Supernatural, what is the gateway to the supernatural? So the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which Jesus, so in Acts chapter 1, before he ascends into heaven, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. Um, because in a few days you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So basically was saying, you need more than you have right now to do what I need you to do in the world. And I don't want you to just go out and try to do it in your wisdom and strength and your own strategy. I want you to do it in the power that I'm going to give you. And then Acts 180 says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you have power to be my witnesses all over the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So if this is the starting point for the disciples, this wait in Jerusalem until you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it should be the starting point for us. So the book is really talking about how do I, how do I wait for the Holy Spirit to do what Jesus promised he would do? How do I experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And then how, because a lot of people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they've spoken in tongues, and that's all that's ever happened in their life. It's, it's a, an experience that they've checked, checked off the list. Been there, been to a service, heard about this Acts chapter 1 and 2 experience, got prayed for, spoke in tongues, don't know why, don't know what to do with it now, don't know how this helps me any in my life, but at least I can say I had this goosebumpy experience in my in my world. What I wanted what I wanted to do in the book is tie that experience to the 
door opening moment that it is for you to now to live a new supernatural life where it's not just a one-time thing that you had a spiritual experience with, but it becomes a partnership that you have with God where now he begins to flow in your life in, in supernatural ways, not just to give you joy and peace and strength and, and contentment, but for you. So you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You went down to Nicaragua, Dave. You had a blind man standing in front of you. You put your hands on him. You prayed in the name of Jesus. You saw his eyes open up. It's one of the greatest moments in your life. I'm jealous for the people that I pastor and the people that are listening to this podcast, the people who might read the book, that they would have experiences like that too. Yeah. And that it wouldn't just be a one-time thing, but that it would happen in your life where you could be used by God in power over and over and over again, and it would be a lifestyle for you. And that's what really the theme of the book is all about. Okay, so that's the theme of the book. Yeah. So obviously we're going to talk a little bit more about this. If there's, uh, you've kind of like wet our appetites, like, somebody, if they read this book, is going to get out of it how you can make this a regular part of your life where you can live like this. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to share out of the book of things that you've written about, about like where to start? You know, like obviously read the book if you want to get the full experience. But if somebody's like, that sounds crazy and foreign to me, and I would love that, but I'm just not even sure how, like, like where where do you start? Yeah, so... Um, I would start by reading the early parts of the book of Acts to read about what happened to the disciples there. And and then I would find somebody who you know has been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I would ask them, pray for me. I want to have this experience with God. And um, we actually do something at Allison Park Church called Spiritual Breakthrough Weekend where we teach on it and then help um, help lead people into that, that moment. For me, it happened when I was... Uh, Sophomore in high school, I had been praying for it for a while. hadn't had the experience yet. I was a little freaked out by the whole concept, honestly, because tongues speaking and tongues are praying my spiritual language. I, honestly, I had an in, internal aversion to it because it I felt it felt odd to me. It I felt a little vulnerable about it. Honestly, I didn't really want to do it. Um, <laughs> and so I, I was resistant to it, but I still was seeking the Lord anyway, almost expecting him to hit me with a lightning bolt some point when I was worshiping and make my tongue move. And, and, uh, so I was overhyping it and really putting a lot of pressure on myself. Then I was sitting, sitting like we're doing right here in my living room with a friend. And he was like, dude, you're making it way too complicated. Just, you know, worship God. And if you feel inside your heart that God wants you to say syllables you don't understand. God wants to give you a miracle of supernatural language. He's going to speak through you, pray through you. Just start to say it out loud. So we started to worship, and I started to pray, and as I started to pray, I could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit moving in my life, and then it became a part of my normal everyday practice. So let me ask this question. What, what's the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues? Yeah, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like what water baptism is. You get dunked under the water. It is complete immersion. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jesus uses that term because it means to be completely immersed in. You know, like uh, to be capsized is when a boat tips over. To be baptized is when something is dipped under. So Jesus takes us and immerses us in the Holy Spirit. And in that... Um, I love how, again, we've, we've referred to Johannes a number of times. Johannes is famous for teaching um, 
I think it's Luke, Jesus says, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, he says. (laughs) (laughs) So he says it like this, Jesus will take you and dip you under the fire of God, and you'll come up, I love this picture he uses, with the fire clothes of Jesus on, <laughs> and, you'll, and you'll walk with his fire on you, and when you come in in, in in contact with something, the fire of the Holy Spirit will begin to operate in your life, so there'll be healing miracles. Okay, so that's the idea. Speaking in tongues is the first supernatural miracle that happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not the last, that's why I use the word gateway, it's the first So you begin to pray in a language you didn't understand. The Holy Spirit takes you and starts to pray through you so that He hits the mark, the target of the will of God, and He does that by giving you spiritual language. In the book, I tell this one story. So I frequent Starbucks a lot. I love a Starbucks coffee. If you ever want to get me a cup of coffee, by the way, my order is grande bulb with light cream. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) I was standing in line at Starbucks, and I had been frequenting there enough, and there were people from Allison Park Church that were going there a lot. And so the barista girls that were there every morning got to know me as Pastor Jeff. So what I would come in the Starbucks in the morning, they're like, hey, Pastor Jeff's here. You know, so, they, so I became like the chaplain of the Starbucks, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Just in the drive-thru. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, not in the drive-thru. Oh, okay, it, okay, actually, okay. In, the, in the room. Okay. So I'm standing in line, 6.30 in the morning. It's a long line. And they say, hey, Pastor Jeff, okay, you're here. This is awesome. Hey, by the way, they said, real out loud in front of everybody, hey, hey, by the way, what is speaking in tongues? And I, and I said, okay. I said, you want me to answer that right here? And I looked at the people in the line, and I was I was like, is, is it okay with you if I answer that question? They were like, yeah, I'd like to know, kind of a thing. So here I am now on the spot in the middle of the, of the room. I said, okay, speaking in tongues, to make it real simple, is where you speak out in a language you've never studied before, that God does a language miracle. So like, for instance, if I've never studied Chinese, and then the Holy Spirit started to work in my life, and all of a sudden I spoke in Chinese, and you understood what I was saying, and you knew I hadn't studied it, don't you think there'd be, you'd be convinced that, that there's a real God? And, and I looked around, and they all shook their head like, yeah, so, so that's what speaking in tongues is. And they were like, okay, cool. And then I, they, they, they took my order, and I sat down, <laughs> and I did my work, okay? So speaking in tongues is basically just a supernatural language miracle that is primarily for the purpose of prayer, where as you're praying, the Holy Spirit speaks through you. You don't understand necessarily what you're saying, but the Holy Spirit is, is praying through you so that He can use your life to, to pray in such a way that's, that's powerful. Now, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you start with that miracle, but that's not the last miracle. That's just the private miracle where you get to practice partnering with the Holy Spirit. Every day I get up and I pray, and I pray in English most of the time, but I also pray in tongues, and I learn what it is to partner with the Holy Spirit which then builds with me a partnership so that he can then do other things with me and through me. So in the last episode, we were talking about how to become more sensitized to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Well, if you pray in the Spirit on a daily basis, you'll be actively partnering with God to do something miraculous in your prayer life, which makes you highly sensitized to the Holy Spirit. And then he can give you words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of faith. He can manifest through you in whatever way he wants to, and, and that first moment of being baptized in the Holy Spirit starts the miraculous partnership with the Holy Spirit so that many partnership things can happen from there. And that is available to every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, but few live 
with that as a potential every day. Most of us live as if the Holy Spirit is a part of things, but we're really not sure who He is, and, and we don't understand it. And we live out of our own mind, and we live out of our own flesh, until we get into a, such a crisis that we're desperate for God, and we cry out for the Holy Spirit's work. But the Holy Spirit wants to be an everyday partner with you. Mm. And that's what the idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit starts that. He dips you in the, f- in the fire of God. You come up with the potential for a supernatural work in your life. And then you begin to partner with Him and practice His operation in your life every day. So, And me... in the early parts of the last century, it was that, speaking in tongues, that started the wave of miraculous ministry all around the world. That's why there are a billion Pentecostal charismatics today, because it has such potential with it. Yeah. So for, for those listeners that are pastors, there are staff and stuff like that, one of the questions that would come up a lot about this topic, especially speaking in tongues, is... It's actually like the uh, our denominational stance on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, or speaking in tongues as the initial physical evidence yeah. of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, like, you know, what, what do you think about? I know I realize you were saying that, right? In, in Acts, there are five instances of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where three of them directly say they were baptized and spoke in tongues right away afterwards, and yeah. two of them it might be implied. But yeah, if somebody's sort of questioning, like, is this for me? I'm not sure if I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is do you think that that's like the only way to be baptized is by speaking in tongues? Or well, yeah, I know this is a question. Yeah, yeah, okay, so initial physical evidence was the language that was developed in the 1920s and 30s to describe the doctrinal stance. Um, so I have no problem with that doctrinal stance. I actually prefer the word gateway because it's a door opener. It's a beginning step. If you see it as initial physical, if you see it as evidence, then it's you're looking for proof that you've had a spiritual experience. Okay, do I think it's evidence of it? Yeah, I do, but I don't really think that God taught us, the Scriptures teach us, to look for evidence. But I do think it is, a, it is the, the starter gift. It's, 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 the, it's the door opener. It's the place we start and begin. If it's, the, if it's evidence, then it's the end of something. I, okay, I've had this experience the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's the exclamation point at the end of the sentence. I actually think this is the beginning gift, not the greatest gift. It's it's not proof that I'm looking for. I'm actually looking for partnership. If you're looking for proof, then you're looking for something that is going to end. You're actually looking for partnership. And so I have no problem with the doctrinal statement, but I think it's more practical to think of it as the beginning of a partnership than the end of an experience, yeah, right? So if you see it as the end of an experience, then it's over. Like you had it, it's over, you checked it. But if you see it as the beginning of a partnership, then now you're thinking about how we move forward with this in the future. Yeah. And I always was taught as, as if it was the end of an experience, not the beginning of a partnership. Sure. And, and when, when I started to realize, oh, this is, this is the beginning of an amazing relationship I'm going to have. It helped me see the whole experience from a different perspective. Yeah, that's good. I have other deep pastor questions that I get into, <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to steer away from those for now. Yeah, I, I think that's good. Um, I t- totally lost my train of thought. So we were talking about the initial physical evidence. Oh, oh okay. So what I was going to say is, so for, for someone maybe who has been, you talked about people that like they've had the experience, they've spoken in tongues. Maybe it's sort of like, it feels like it's rusty. They're They're not doing it all the time. Maybe it happens every so often. Um, you you know you're talking about having this continued partnership instead of just one evidential experience. So 
for someone like who maybe has had those initial experiences, but they do feel sort of dry and like it's not a continual thing, like what do you do, I guess, not just to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but also to like increase your faith? Yeah, I would say go on a missions trip. Become a part of the prayer team at your church. Get get into a position where you have to have the Holy Spirit operating to see something take place. This is not just about personal edification. It's not just about you being better or you being feeling like you're on fire or you being like active in an experience. This is about you being used by God. So the moment you sign up for the missions trip and you're like, okay, I'm going to be dependent on to pray for somebody, and I might have a sick person or a demonized person come stand in front of me, what am I going to do then? Okay, instantly you're like, Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. So, so get out there, like step out in faith, trust God to use you. You're like, but I've never been on a prayer team or a missions trip. Yeah, that's why you need to get on one or go on one. Like you need to get into a position where it's going to be asked of you to minister to somebody else so that the Holy Spirit will be required for you to do what you need to do. If you're just wanting to say, I'm active with it, you know, okay, that's the only purpose for it. Okay, partnership with God develops intimacy with God. That's one one reason. There is a certain thing that happens, too, when you pray in the Spirit and you're depressed or discouraged. It makes you feel stronger inside. So it does have internal personal benefits to you. But the Holy Spirit's work in your life is not like taking a pill. It's not like it's not like medicine that you need to ingest so that you are just personally and spiritually healthy. Will it make you spiritually healthy? Absolutely. Mm. But it's really about you being used. Yeah. So the, the Holy Spirit's work in your life is not just about you. It's about somebody else up there who needs a healing miracle, or they need a word of, of knowledge, or they need a prophetic moment, or they need a breakthrough in their life. God wants to use you for that. Put yourself in a position where you can be used by God, and then you'll really cry out for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Yeah. And it is so addictive when you pray for somebody and something happens. It is something you're like, I got to do that again. Like like anything else. Like if you have an experience in life and you're like, that was a a rush. I rode that roller coaster. That was amazing. I I went hang gliding. That was incredible. I got to do that again. There is nothing quite like partnering with the Holy Spirit to see someone's life changed. Yeah. Whew, it's just incredible. Totally agree. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, and, and I think starting in verse 8, is when it talks about those gifts of the Spirit. So you talked about praying in tongues is sort of your initial gateway where you be in this partnership, this relationship. And then he says, um, to one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith, to another gifts of healing— um, by one spirit to another, the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, um, to another different kinds of languages, to another interpretation of languages. Okay, so we, we talk about these different gifts where the Holy Spirit can do any of those through us, yeah. right? Like he he is the one who can do all of those miracles and spiritual gifts, but he talks about how he gives gifts to certain people. Yeah. What does that mean? Okay, I think it doesn't mean, so the Holy Spirit is the one that owns the gifts, the Holy Spirit can give you any of those nine gifts at any time they're needed, and He can give them to you at the moment that they're needed. So I don't own any of the gifts. I, I, the Holy Spirit owns me <laughs> or is operating in my life. He has all of these nine potentials, these gifts that can operate. And when I bump into somebody who needs a healing, He can give me a gift of healing for that person. 
I can become the distributor of whatever is needed. So when we interpret that 1 Corinthians 12 passage as if I have the gift of tongues, I have the gift of prophecy, I have the gift of healing, we are seeing that as that it is my property. They are actually the property of the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit's in you, any of those nine things can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. And so I say, Holy Spirit, I want to be available to be used by you at any of those nine things at any moment you determine. And okay, I want to be sensitized to your voice, to your operation, so that when you need to do something in me, you'll be able to do so. And that's the partnership. He's got all the gifts. I just happen to be a human vessel. That's what's so great. The Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He can do anything. Yeah, He wants to be your partner in life. He can explode on the scene to do incredible things. You don't have to possess anything. All you have to do is learn how to partner with, with the Holy Spirit who has all that we need to be able to minister in this world. So you don't have to know it all. You just have to know how to operate with the one who knows it all. Yeah. You don't have to do it all. You just have to know the one who can do whatever. And then he puts you on and uses you to see that moment of healing or miracle released in the world at the right so, time. So let's let's close with this. Yeah. So somebody uh okay, somebody reads your book and they yeah. get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you already are. I know a lot of our listeners probably have an active relationship with the Holy Spirit, but maybe there's people that find themselves like I you know, whether you are a pastor or you're, you know, a Christian, but you're sort of new to this, um, they're, they are not as active as they would like to be with seeing the Holy Spirit do things in their family or the workplace or wherever else is part of our world that could use a touch from the Holy Spirit. You know, what are some, I, I don't know if this is the right way to ask this, what are some some steps or baby steps to like start to watch what the Holy Spirit can do. Obviously, there are some people that just like, I'll pray for somebody to get healed right now. And yeah. that's awesome. Their faith is there. Yeah. So I would say but. get with somebody who you know knows how to do this. Find someone who's a, a little more advanced than you and 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 sort of shadow them a little bit. So um my I I my father was very active in this. My father-in-law saw a lot of supernatural miracles. He I remember one story he told me about this guy he prayed for that had a huge goiter growing out of the side of his neck. And he put his hands on him and prayed for him. And the thing just like a balloon deflated right in front of his eyes. So I heard about this all the time. Um, when I got in relationship with people like Johannes Amritzer or Ron Johnson, David Cartledge, I basically just was like, I said, can I, can I, as you minister to people, can I stand next to you? Can I watch this happen? Um, I know that Melody has really grown in her gift of intercession and prayer and prophecy. Part of how that started in her life is she got next to Barb Trebusic, who is a powerful woman of prayer. Mm. And the more she prayed with Barb, the more she became like Barb in her praying with authority. So, the, so when I got when I get around Johannes, I come back energized. Now he would also say that I rub off on him because he becomes more pastoral. So, <laughs> so like get next to somebody who's going after this. Find someone that can mentor you. And if you're if you go on a mission trip with them and you can say, "Teach me how you do this." So, I, I think some of this stuff is better caught than taught. And if you can get somebody who has it on their life, it it will tend to rub off on you. So, I'm going to make two short recommendations. Yeah. 
Because I, I think where I anticipate a lot of people feeling like is, well, I don't know anybody like that. I, maybe maybe I know somebody that's a prayer warrior, but not necessarily where they see supernatural stuff happen all the time. Two things, and I'll, I'll say them because they they impacted me both personally. Yep. If you're looking for steps that we can help you with, one, do the Leadership Academy. Yeah, this is a boy. huge focus. It is. I, I, I'm not, this is not just like a <laughs> plug, but actually like that was a lot of what changed my life. So yeah. every single day we have 45 minutes of, of worship and prayer and we aggressively pursue the supernatural, and they have classes on how to we, learn to hear the Holy Spirit so that you can... We teach on acts, we teach yeah. on faith, prophecy. Um, we teach on angels and demons, we like go into this stuff, um, and you get the chance to ask questions, and you get the chance to activate this in a safe place where other people can coach you a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's a great... So go to number and, two. And, and it, well, I'm going to stand number one for a second. And if, if I can be so bold, I know a lot of people that would be, be hearing this are like, I would love to, but there's this obstacle, the finances, or the biggest one is usually work schedule. Yeah. Because it, I mean, if you have a work schedule, it's tough to try to clear that. But I just want to say, if God is putting this on your heart, go for it. Yeah. Because genuinely, like, I think a lot of breakthrough to the life that God has for you comes from taking a big faith step. Mm -hmm. So to somebody listening to this podcast right now, I think you know you're supposed to do the Leadership Academy. Yeah, or, or another starter so, step that may not be that radical. Go through Spiritual Breakthrough. Absolutely. Which is, is that the second one you're going to say? No. Oh, which is going to happen in November <laughs> at Allison Park Church. So even if, you, if you're a pastor and you have never been through our Breakthrough Weekend, you can come bring your team with you. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we, we talk about this in the future. Um, and, and, and so you get into environments where this is being taught and practiced. Yeah. Uh, our Ignite conference in January, we we create an atmosphere that is pregnant with the Holy Spirit's operation, and we're actually going to talk about some of this at our at our Ignite conference in January. Um, so get into environments and atmospheres. Um, if you if you make an appointment with me, either one of us, reach out. We will lay hands on you and pray for you, and ask for the Holy Spirit to baptize you and to give you power to begin to to operate. Um, a lot of things happen through that that stuff. So that was your first one. My, that was my one? first one. And I just want to say, I hope I'm not being too aggressive, but seriously, I just almost felt like prompted. If you feel like you're supposed to be doing the Leadership Academy and you've been dragging your feet, I just, uh, this is not to everybody, but to somebody who might be feeling that, I think go for it. Like yeah, God will do on. this in your life. Uh, the second thing though, I, and you mentioned this earlier, but go on an SOS missions trip or, yeah. or one of these where they constantly see miracles and signs and wonders because like, even if your faith isn't there yet, it will get there pretty quickly when you're watching other people that are, yes. you know, preaching the name of Jesus and they're seeing crazy things happen because, mm -hmm. you know, God wants to make himself known and he wants to do things through you. But like... Yeah, Will Jones has Awakening Ministries International. That's another one. We we send missions teams to go with partners like this. Uh, so... Christ for the what, what was C fan Christ was, for the nations yeah or was it Christ for all nations yeah Christ for all nations which yeah. was Reinhard Bonnke's ministry I know they still do things uh, get get in find somebody who's doing it with balance they're not they're not you know manipulative or abusive but where there's legit stuff happening read about it listen to people who preach about it get in environments where it's happening go to the leadership academy go through breakthrough weekend begin to activate your spiritual life so that God through the Holy Spirit can work through you in power. And remember, the book is a great place to start too. It's coming out, Gateway to the Supernatural, previous, this is the second edition of what had been called Power for Life with some new material in there. All of that will help you. Absolutely. 
Well, hopefully you benefited from this and enjoyed it. And if you know other people that might benefit or enjoy this as well, we would be so thankful if you choose to share this. You can like and subscribe on YouTube. You can share the link uh, either through Apple Podcasts or Spotify on your social media. Let people know about this, even just word of mouth. Of course, the five-star review, so we give you a shout out. But whatever you can do will just help us uh, to help more people. So uh, thank you again for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it, and we will see you again next time.